You are listening to the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Our gospel reading today, it comes to us from Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 32. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. From the cowardice that dares not face new truth, from the laziness that is contented with half-truth, from the arrogance that thinks it knows all truth, good Lord, deliver us. So for my first three appointments, I showed up with a baby in tow. At my first appointment, Gretchen was eight months old. At my second appointment, Nicholas was three months old. At my third appointment, Charlie was six weeks old. I joked that for my fourth appointment, I was going to give birth in the moving van. (laughs) But I have to admit, there are advantages to showing up at a new appointment in a new church with a baby in tow, particularly with the old guard. And in small membership churches, the old guard are, well old, and they tend to soften up a bit when you put a baby in their arms, even the men. I remember very clearly Mr. Bob. Mr. Bob lived in the house next to the parsonage at my first appointment, and he was an old curmudgeon, a widow, a man who had one, one daughter who lived out of town, no grandchildren, And yet, any time I came over, I noticed in our weekly visit that he would compile a toy box for our visit so that my daughter would have toys to play with while we talked. She would sit there on the floor that was that shag carpet blocks trying to get them to stack right, and we would sit in the two lazy boy recliners, and there was always the police scanner going on in the background, And he would go on and on about what was wrong with the government and young people these days and the weather and his aches and pains, this whole litany of complaints. And without fail, inevitably, we would get to what was truly bothering him, how much he missed his wife. And I recall one day, Gretchen had a birthday. I forget it was one or two, which one it was. She was little. And... We went over there, and Mr. Bob brought out this big box that had a a bear inside, a stuffed animal that was bigger than she was. We still have it. 
And I remember that she was trying to get into the box and trying to topple it over, and it was all sorts of mess. And I remember looking at her playing and trying to get this out in excitement, and then looking at him, a man who never smiled. And there was this grin on his face, ear to ear. There's just something about little ones and older ones that have a magical connection, something about being new to life and facing the end of life that creates a bond that is comforting, that is reassuring, that is timeless as we live into the cycles and the rhythms of life. And I find that important in the scripture today as we discuss a story that is one about a child and an old man, the baby Jesus and old man Simeon. It comes from Luke chapter 2, and this is often the lectionary reading for the Sunday after Christmas. And if you're one that travels in the Christmas season, you might not have ever heard this scripture preached in church. But you're in for a treat, because this is a great scripture story. It is a wonderful tale. And I love the way that preacher Frederick Bruckner puts this story and adds some color and character to it. In his writing, he describes this incident this way. Jesus was still in diapers when his parents brought him to the temple in Jerusalem, as the custom was. And that's when old Simeon spotted him. Years before, he had been told he wouldn't die till he'd seen the Messiah with his own two eyes. And time was running out. When the moment finally came, one look through his cataract lenses was all it took. He asked if it would be all right to hold the baby in his arms, and they told him to go ahead, but be careful not to drop him. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, he said. All the while the baby was playing with the fringes of his beard. And I love that picture. I love that depiction. And, and honestly, I think I could just continue to go on and tell stories about young and old because they capture my imagination so much. But what really popped, what really stood out in the scripture reading for today was verse 29. This is when Simeon says, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. And what Simeon is really saying here is that he was prepared to die. Simeon had waited his whole life to be able to see Jesus, to hold Jesus, to encounter Jesus. And now that that had happened, he is saying to God, Master, I'm at peace. I can die now. And that was the moment that really captivated me. When one is so at peace, so full of gratitude that they can be accepting of death. And it is not that we should welcome death. Life is given to us and is meant to be a gift that is given in abundance. And there is a certain beauty to those determined to live every last minute. I recall this one 
incident in Georgia. It was a graveside service. A woman had died, and she was in a casket, and the casket was being carried by a hearse. And the young man who was driving the hearse clearly did not have much experience and was very, very nervous. I suspect he had not driven or led a procession before. I remember he got out of the hearse and he was all discombobulated and he locked his keys in the hearse. We had to stand there for an hour in the Georgia heat while AAA came to get his keys out of the hearse. Now this poor man, I mean, he was so apologetic. And I remember the daughter of the woman who had died went over to him and said, oh, bless your heart, because it's Georgia, they always say it. She's like, bless your heart, son. My mother didn't want to die. This was just her final way of showing it. (laughs) And I got to appreciate that, seriously. I mean, that kind of grit and determination. But I also truly admire those who it's been my privilege to know and to experience who've been at peace with death, who've welcomed the thought knowing their time and the mortality had reached its end. Just last week, I got word that Miss Miriam had died. Miss Miriam was the oldest active congregant of the church I served before coming to Apex. And I recall not too long before, last time we held a funeral inside in the church, seeing Miss Miriam in the narthex following the funeral, and she said, well, Pastor, I'm not sad at all because I'm going to be the next one to see her. Just say it that matter of fact. Or I recall the hospital visit I did to a woman whose family had just made the hard decision that they had tried every treatment, they had done every experimental drug, they had met with every doctor and every specialist that they could, and it was time to move her into hospice. And I remember the family moved out of the room and I had an opportunity just to sit at her bedside there at Rex Hospital. I said, how do you feel? about moving into hospice care. And she looked at me and said, relieved. All that she'd been poked and prodded, all the things she's tried, all the years and the medications and the nausea, she was relieved. She lay back in her bed and seemed to relax and almost disappear into the pillow. And then I still recall her head jolted up and this panic crossed her eyes and she looked at me and she said, you have to promise me that at my funeral, the choir wears robes. (laughs) I will, I assured her. I wonder how to be when my time comes. I wonder if I will be one who will fight, or I wonder if I will be one at peace. I don't know if any of us truly knows until it comes to pass. And yet, I think Simeon here is offering us such a beautiful image, one who is saying, I've seen the Lord. I'm ready to die.
I wonder perhaps if he wasn't just at peace with death, maybe he was also at peace with life, with history, with time, with all that comes to be, with all that passes. In that moment, he's naming his peace that all is well. And Simeon wasn't naive. In fact, in the verses that follow this passage, Simeon is very clear with the parents of Jesus. Sure, he says lots of wonderful things about Jesus. Jesus is the salvation. Jesus is the light to the nation of Israel. All these great, awesome, beautiful things are going to happen now that Jesus is born. But Jesus, this child, will also cause the fall and rise of Israel. Mary, this child will pierce your soul. Imagine how hard that must have been for the parents to hear these beautiful, wonderful blessings, but also these bewildering warnings. But I think in that, Simeon's doing something critically important. Simeon is showing us what it means to abide in hope, what this sermon series is about, because there is a naming, there's a recognition, there is a saying that there are harsh and cruel and terrible realities in this world, and it is not the life in many respects that we want. But in the end, we have all we need. Because he himself had cradled in his arms the baby Jesus. He himself had seen and experienced with his own two eyes the Christ, the light, the hope, the salvation. He knew God's promise came to pass. I think the same could be said for us in worship here today, that we are here in part Because we too have cradled that hope. We too have a relationship with God. We too hold, sometimes not very tightly, but hold still to that hope, to that thread, to that conviction, to that belief that the Christ child was born, that God was made man, and nothing will ever be the same. Sumant Kidd wrote a book that came out just a couple years ago. It was called Book of Longing. And in it had this line, When I tell you all shall be well, I don't mean that life won't bring you tragedy. Life will be life. I only mean you will be well in spite of it. And I think that is the message for us today. For I know, for me, looking out and seeing masks on the faces again, I know how many times I've stood up here and said, as we come out of this pandemic, and now wonder if that's truly the case. WRL said yesterday that at the end of June, nationwide, there were 11,000 new COVID cases a day. Now, There are more than 100,000 new COVID cases a day. This is disheartening news. We are going backwards. It is hard not to feel discouraged. And yet I can't help if this scripture was intended for us especially today. 
that we might listen to the voice of Simeon brought to us through the winds of time, speaking to us, whispering to us, encouraging us, assuring us that we don't want to wear masks and we don't want to have to live in this pandemic and we don't have to know the word social distance, much less say it yet one more time. We don't want any of that. But that doesn't change the fact that we have all we need. We have the Christ child. We have the promise that this world is not the end. We have the belief that when we die, there is eternal life. There is hope. There is promise. There is goodness. There is joy. There is life abundant. Simeon is speaking to us. Simeon is assuring us. Simeon is telling us, ultimately, it is well. So my son is in eighth grade, and the eighth graders at his school, he's year-round, um, are reading Diary of Anne Frank. So I've been talking to him about the book and thinking about the book, and you might recall the story of Anne Frank, the one who lived in an attic along with another family for hundreds of days and then ended in dying in a concentration camp. I believe she was only 15 years old, just days before that area of the country was liberated. Anne Frank wrote in her diary many beautiful things, and I know Anne Frank is Jewish, clearly, but when you read Anne Frank's words, there's such beauty and there is such faith that these statements transcend the Judeo-Christian divide. I'm also struck by the fact that if Anne Frank were alive today, she'd be 92 years old. We have 92-year-olds that worship in our congregation, and while that's old, that's not that old, that's not that distant from us. And Frank wrote these words, cramped in an attic, days before taken to a concentration camp. In spite of everything, I still believe that people are really good at heart. I simply can't build up my hopes on a foundation consisting of confusion, misery, and death. I see the world gradually being turned into a wilderness. I hear the ever-approaching thunder, which will destroy us too. I can feel the sufferings of millions. And yet, if I look up into the heavens, I think that it will come all right. And this cruelty too will end, and that peace and tranquility will return again. Let us today listen to the Simeons. Let us listen to the Anne Franks. Let us listen to the sages of old that are reminding us that in God, we find our hope, and that hope is the promise we ultimately need. Glory to God. Amen.
You have been listening to the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our church community, visit apexumc.org or look for us on social media. The peace of Christ be with you. Let us welcome all, love all, and serve all.